Welcome to the Selling from the Heart podcast on the SalesCast Network. You've joined a global movement of sales professionals who are dedicated to being authentic and building trust. We call it Selling from the Heart. Together, we are on a mission to bring sincerity and substance to the sales profession we all love. Get ready to be inspired and equipped as we join our hosts, Larry Levine and Daryl Amy. Are you ready to take your career to the next level? One of the best ways we found to do that is to surround yourself with like-hearted sales professionals. And we've heard that saying, you're the sum of the people that you hang out with. Well, if you want to hang out with some sales professionals that also want to take their career to the next level and believe in selling from the heart, we invite you to join us in the Selling from the Heart Insiders Group. This is a weekly gathering of like-hearted, like-minded sales professionals and sales leaders. We truly build community each and every week. One of our favorite things is they're up close and personal with thought leaders, former podcast guests, and people that challenge us to grow in sales. We would like you to join us for our next up close and personal. Just go to sellingfromtheheart.net slash free dash pass. That's sellingfromtheheart.net slash free dash pass. And we look forward to seeing you in the Selling from the Heart Insiders group. Hello, and welcome back to the Selling from the Heart podcast. Your co-host, Daryl Amy, here today with Larry Levine. What's going on, Larry? We have so much goodness going on right now at Selling from the Heart. It seems like every week I always say, I am so glad we're podcasting, but this time, I'm ultra glad we're podcasting. We got our dear friend, Mike Weinberg, in the house. We're in for a treat. It is going to be a great day today. You're going to want to get a notepad and take some notes on this one. (laughs) It's going to be fantastic. So thankful that Mike is here, and we're so grateful for the entire community of Selling from the Heart leaders and sales professionals all over the world. Yeah, I just want to give a special shout out to a good new and dear friend of mine, David Paul. Actually, David's in your neck of the woods, Daryl. That's Super right. Great guy. I've enjoyed our many conversations. And not too long ago, I finally got a chance to shake his hand. David Paul, you're a rock star. Yeah. Shout out to you, David. And shout out to everybody in the Selling from the Heart Insiders group. You've listened to the podcast before, so you know this is a group of like-hearted sales professionals and leaders, and you want to come hang out with us. It is incredibly encouraging, and I get something from it every time we gather. Larry, I want to see everyone in the audience at an upcoming Up Close and Personal with the Insiders group. You're going to thank us for it. Yeah, it's just a, you know what? We meet every Friday. It's just a great group of, like Daryl said, like-hearted, like-minded sales professional sales leaders. We mastermind. We bring thought leaders in. We bring authors in. We bring leadership experts in. And we have a great time for an hour every Friday. Come hang out with us. So click the link in the show notes. Come join us for an up close and personal with the Selling from the Heart Insiders group. You're going to thank us for it. Another thing you're going to be thankful for, I know I'm thankful for, <laughs> is that we have Mike Weinberg with us today. If you don't know who Mike is, you need to crawl out from under the rock you're living in. (laughs) Mike is a celebrated sales coach, speaker, and author renowned for his direct and engaging approach. His expertise shines in his best-selling books, of course, The New Sales Simplified, and his latest book, The First Time Manager in Sales. Renowned for distilling sales truth, Mike is on a mission to transform sales teams and individuals into high achievers. Mike, it's great to have you back in the Selling from the Heart podcast <laughs> studio. So glad you're here. Appreciate the inflated, generous introduction. I, and I loved you guys talking about like-hearted and like-minded people in your program. What a great phrase that is. 
Yeah. What am like- I? What? It's so good to see you. But what What did I do? What did I do right to get invited back twice in two years? <laughs> oh, like, like, holy cow. You're, you're scraping the bottom of the barrel here coming back to me. This is Stop such a it. treat. Oh, Stop. my God. Stop it. You Stop. keep cranking out awesome books and uh, just such a great friend to Selling from the Heart. The challenge is going to be, though, coming back as a multiple time guest, Mike, we're going to ask you the question once again. You've answered it before. But our question to you today is what does it mean to you? today to sell from the heart. Oh my gosh. It means that you put others' interests ahead of yourself and you're you're in the business of sales and sales leadership to bless others and solve problems and bring value. Oh, Mike, I, I love it. And so I, I'm just going to throw this down because I'm going to throw the stake in the ground on this one because you use the word others focused. Where's the challenge? Where's the obstacle in becoming others focused? Where's the Shohei Otani poster behind you in your office? That's oh, what I want to know. I knew it wouldn't take long. It, we're, we're, barely in, we're barely into this, and I know exactly where Weinberg's going. Well, I just have to take my chance to abuse you and your Dodgers. I'm glad you're paying him like $4 an hour <laughs> the first 30 years he's under contract. Larry, well, I'll call you when you win the World Series again during a full season. Okay, that's all. I'll no, just leave it at that. No, it's all good. I could tell Mike you're not others focused right now, but no. It's, but seriously though, you know, where do you think the obstacle lies? I mean, that that's just that's just the stereotype for a moment, right. Larry. The, it's the stereotype. Part of the reason you and the reason we've connected so well over the last decade is the desire to help and invest. And, and where the lens of the other person, right? What's in it for them? Bringing value to the community. It's your whole movement, selling from the heart, right? Not the transaction, not the self-focus, not the stereotypical used car or copier yeah. salesperson. And that's the obstacle. It's, it's, it's what people think of the role. It's what the legacy reputation is. And it's what the handful, and it's what a small handful, two, 3% of the entire sales population that is slimy and greedy and, inauthentic and like that's what gives it a bad name i think that's honestly the obstacle i think most people want to do what's right they want to serve they want to bring value they want to feel good about themselves they want to see other people win it's a huge part of management i i think that's that's really what most people want but the the baggage and the legacy reputation stuff gets in the way it sure does and and that is i love what you said this is a such a small percentage and this is true of sales leaders as well and i'm so grateful for this new book the first time manager i wish this book were around 25 years ago when i was a first time manager thanks so much for putting this together what's the what's the heart behind this book mike yeah it's it's such an interesting story daryl i appreciate you asking it and honestly when I went into sales management in 2005, after having this great run as a top sales hunter in multiple companies and having another great run as a consultant and coach, I finally got into leadership and management and it basically got my head handed to me because I didn't know what I was mm-hmm. doing. I would have appreciated this book as well because I had no idea that the job was a complete opposite of the individual contributor salesperson job. So the, the heart behind it is really, it, it, it's interesting. I, I wasn't looking to write this book. It wasn't on my mind. The publisher came and said, we have this incredibly successful book called The First Time Manager, and we are going to do a series of books in different specialties, and we would like you to write the one for sales managers because of Sales Manager Simplified, and you know you kind of have that space, and you're a really trusted voice. And I had to think about it a little bit because I have a lot going on in writing a book, Larry, as you know, yeah. Daryl, as you know, I endorse your book, right? The, the It takes a lot. 
and yeah. as much business and as much travel, you know, coming out of COVID and all the things, I was like, uh. but when I got into writing it, I was so thankful I said yes, because I think it turned out to be my best book because I've been doing so much sales management stuff over the past eight years since Sales Management Simplified came out. There was more I wanted to share. And I was able to distill down what was a much fatter book into something that's much thinner and more targeted based on my experience of the last eight years working around the globe with sales management teams and really getting to observe firsthand what works and what doesn't work. So the heart behind it was there was a gap in the market where there were very few resources for, for new managers. Some of the heart behind it was how poorly I did and how much I struggled as a new manager. And then the other piece of it is, and we'll get into this today, the amount of frontline sales managers who are living life on the edge of burnout and overwhelm and exhaustion and breakdown because of all the burden on their plate and the way their goofy companies and senior executives often treat them. I felt like I could bring a ton of value and resources and frameworks and simple tools to help sales managers not just get their like sales team on track and culture where they want it to be and drive more results, but for a lot of them to also help them get their life back so they could build an enjoyable, sustainable, scalable model for leading the sales team. And, and you know what, and you know what I like, and, and I, and I love, I, I loved reading your book and I read it multiple times, you know, as I endorsed it as well is there's one key word that you used just a second ago, Mike, and this has just been the foundation of who you are. And it's simple. You're a simple guy but you create foundations around everything that you do. And, and I think if, if there's anything that sales leaders and managers can take away from reading your book is we got to bring the basics and the simple things back to sales management, because if we don't, it leads to the burnout that you'd mentioned. And that's why the state of mental health is where it's at right now in the sales world. Mm -hmm. Oh gosh, that's strong. Well, we can go so many places with that. Larry. Yeah. The amount of inbound, and the noise and the stuff on LinkedIn and you just go on and on and on. It's so distracting and it's so dangerous because everyone's living with FOMO, right? I'm going to miss out. I don't have the cool new tool, right? And you've got these sales tool vendors, for, for example, with their gazillion dollar venture capital backing, right? Out there scaring you, you know, you got FOMO, you know, you don't, if you don't have our new plugin for your CRM, your team's going to stink and you fall for those tricks. And so you you get distracted. And then Inside the companies, there is so much to be done. Like, I don't know a sales manager that has a work ethic problem, not one. Now, I know some salespeople that have some work ethic challenges and they're on cruise control working virtually with their feet up on the desk watching videos, right? Streaming some show. But I see managers working 60, 70 hours a week, processing hundreds of emails. Like, they have more stuff being thrown at them. And if we don't help them see clearly and get back to what you just said, the fundamentals, because there's a precious few, mm -hmm. I mean, it's a precious few things that move the needle on culture and move the needle on results. Mm -hmm. And part of the, the motivation, you said simple, like I am the simple guy. I am the New York public school educated B student, right? <laughs> and like that's the level, like most of my clients, I'm the dumbest guy in the room by a factor of some significance, right? And <laughs> I'm here to remind them, and I'm the, being honest and not just self That's all good. Like, it's good, but it's, it's the reminder that there's all these fancy toys and tricks and all these theories. Are you doing accountability? Are you getting the right people on your team? Do you know how to interview? 
Mm. Do you have job descriptions that line up with the talent requirements and the, are the people on your team gifted? Do they have the DNA to do the job you're asking them to do? And are you keeping your good people and maximizing their performance? Mm. And are you addressing underperformance? And can you do legit accountability without demotivating somebody? Like those are basics of the job. Yeah. Things that no one's talking about because they're getting buried in crap and emails and tools and toys and distractions and you know, I, I don't know what you guys see. I'm sure you see the same thing in your clients. I see people in management and sales for that matter. Their companies are communicating with them by email, by Teams, by Slack, by instant message, by text. I mean, it's, it's out of control the amount of inbound ways people can grab you and, and mm -hmm. give you work to do and divert and distract you from your primary responsibilities. And part of, I think, what we all need to do in, as our missions is help people get back to what really matters because there's no joy, there's no satisfaction, there's no quality of life, and there certainly isn't transformation of culture and results when you're, when you're living like a chicken with your head cut off, completely overwhelmed. So here, here. Oh, threw, threw a lot at you there, but I know it's, it aligns with some of your own philosophies, both of you, and how right. you live and what you preach. Yeah, absolutely. So, now that is some definite sales leader truth right there. And, and this is, um, this is such a powerful tool for sales leaders. And one of the best things about this book is chapter nine, because chapter nine has the heart word in it. And this is, um, this is such a powerful component that, I, that the way you've brought voice to this, I think is, is super, super helpful. Give us an overview of, of chapter nine, because and by the way, if you're listening in and you're listening in because you're listening right now, you want to hit pause. You've got to go grab a copy of First Time Manager Sales. But chapter nine is where things get really special because this is when you, where you bring the heart into sales leadership. First of all, Daryl, I appreciate the question. And I, I guessed coming into this conversation that this is where you <laughs> and Larry would go. Because, you know. Because, uh, you know. You know as well, Mike. Well, I'm also, even though I'm a B student from New York Public Schools, your podcast is called Selling from the Heart. <laughs> and I know that I have a little sneak peek into what you're working on and even Larry's next book. I, uh, I know what matters to you. And what's so interesting is this chapter is like none other of mine. In four books, this is probably the most unique chapter. And I'll, I'll give you the title because I think it, it'll resonate with the audience and we can unpack it together. The title of chapter nine is Use... <clears throat> Use the massive emotional and mental bandwidth you occupy in your salespeople's hearts and minds wisely. Mm. And my thesis, my premise, and somehow this just hit me over the last couple of years watching sales managers and then speaking with the people that report to them and are, and are on their teams. I think a lot of people in leadership roles are unaware how much head and heart space mm -hmm. they occupy in their people. And I, I did some work early in that chapter to paint a picture and says, I want you to think about in your own life, whether it was your own camp counselor or someone in your family or your pastor or your boss, how much you're always thinking about them. And when they do interact with you, how much that affects your heart condition, hmm. right? You're, we're so much more important to our people that have been entrusted to our leadership than we sometimes appreciate or respect. And my point in writing that chapter was I had, I had a few motivations, but one was to communicate to leaders that's weighty. That there's some gravitas there. That's a weighty burden that you take up all this bandwidth, mm -hmm. right? Emotional bandwidth in their heart and mental bandwidth in their head. 
you better use it wisely. You better respect it. And can you use it for good to improve the quality of life and the performance of those people? And if you would engage them on a heart level, and this doesn't say we're not going to do good accountability and stick your nose in results and that we want to win because sales is about results. We cannot get away from that. But that doesn't mean you can forget the, the truth that you're managing, you're leading people who have emotions, they're humans. And as my mentor, Donnie Williams, who I mention every time I can, because and he's in all my books, he often will remind me that sales, and this is where Larry, you know, this is your <laughs> thing, right? You, sales is as much or more about the heart than it is about the head. So if we're leading people that are humans and they're emotional, we better manage them appropriately and understand the impact that our words and our behaviors and how we treat them have on them and their life. This is so good. And, and as I'm sitting here listening to what you're saying, Mike, this is what's flashing through my head. And this uh, this goes back, gosh, 20 plus years ago. I'm in a workshop for the first time that I became a sales manager. And so I was an individual contributor. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden I got thrust into management. But basically, worst first worst year I ever had, I was one year and tapped out because I just wasn't, I wasn't mentally ready for it. But I'm sitting in this workshop. And this gentleman stands up on a chair because he had these chair moments. And what blurted out of his mouth was iron fist, velvet glove. And I liken it to what you just said is aligning head and heart. It's okay to have that iron fist as a sales manager, as long as you deliver it with a velvet glove and connect to their heart. Because when you lean into your people, I really believe this. When you lean into your people, they will run through a brick wall for you. hundred percent. I don't even want to add to what you just said. I mean, just go back and rewind Larry's last 15 seconds. That's it. And my mentor, Donnie, I'll finish his other thought. This was his theory. <laughs> he, he, and, th- and this is so brilliant. He said, sales management, it's the fine art yep. of mm-hmm. balancing, encouraging the heart and kicking the ass. Yes. <laughs> That's the Iron Fist Velvet <laughs> Club. He said it differently. <laughs> Go ahead, Daryl. I mean, because you can do both. Where are you going? Go ahead, Daryl. You got a thought here. Well, this is, I mean, this is incredibly, this discussion, I'm just glad we're bringing this to the forefront because this doesn't get talked about enough. And one of the things we've observed here at Selling from the Heart, and I'm curious your thoughts on this, is how many sales leaders keep it at the, the business level. You know, we know in sales that we want to develop relationships with our clients, with our prospects and all of that. But for some reason, it seems like a lot of times when we get in sales leadership, we keep things at the at the business level. People become numbers, robots, producers, and and we forget that these are like human beings with families and kids and dreams and all of that. Why is it that you think we forget that as sales leaders? I don't know because it's not natural. It's not no, how we behave no. in other situations. Uh-uh. It's like you no. adopt this thing. Like I need to be distant because now I'm in management. And you know, here's the, here's the thing I'll say I respect. There are some pitfalls when you build a legitimate friendship. And I mean legitimate friendship mm-hmm. like we're friends with someone who reports to you. Like I understand yeah. that there are some some dangers, you know, there's there's little potholes you can fall into. But what I say in the book Every time that's happened with me, I'm more thankful that it happened than it didn't happen. Hmm. And I have some lifelong relationships with people that worked on my teams that even when I had hard, had, had hard conversations with them, the relationship was real and it was mutual. 
And years after working together, we're, we're, we've stayed friends. In fact, I, I, I tell the story in the book that I did the eulogy for a sales guy that worked on my team in the mid 2000s, a couple of years ago. And it was so special to be asked by his family to come share. And we hadn't worked together for probably a decade. But the bonds we built, because along with, I was leading him and mentoring him and he was very successful and I learned a ton from him. The friendship was real. And we, I think we connected and I helped him be a better salesperson and perform better because I got to know him, which is part of the key of management, right? You, mm-hmm. you it's not cookie cutter. They're not, they're not robots. They're not drones. You got to get to know your people and what floats their boats because it's not the same for everybody. And that's, you know, a whole other topic we can get into. But I think, I think managers are scared because they're not sure what to do. And there's this little bit of fear. And what I want to say is if you want to get the most out of your people, I think you got to overcome that, that hesitancy or that reluctance. Because if you don't connect and not, you know, I defer to you as the experts, yeah. right? If you don't connect on the heart level, then what do you have? Because, and I'll say this, and I, this is something I've written about in the past. You could be a miserable accountant and do great accounting work. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to love your job and you could do incredible analysis and debits and credits and balance numbers and build spreadsheets and do accurate taxes or forecasts and really not enjoy your job. Show me one salesperson or one sales manager whose heart is not in their job, who's not engaged, who's not passionate, who doesn't like what they do, who's happy or succeeding. I can't, I couldn't find one, right? I mean, the heart, don't pretend the heart doesn't matter. Selling from the heart audience, mm-hmm. it matters a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and what you just said is golden because I, I, I just want to look at this through a sales-centric lens. This is salesperson's lens for, lens for just a moment is salespeople can pick up on things real quick. They can tell when a sales manager is in it and when a sales manager is not in it in two seconds. And here's another thing that they can sense right away is they can sense when you're faking it. And they can smell the inauthenticity in two seconds. And I, th- yeah. and I think and I think you would agree. And this is why I love chapter nine so much is you have to connect to the head and the heart of your salespeople. If you can do that, watch the results that start to happen. And, and quite frankly, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that one out. No, you, Larry, what you, that was it. I mean, that was the, the, the capture of the clip from this episode. It's marrying those two pieces. We're not advocating, and I want everyone to hear us clearly. We're not advocating no. that we're soft about results or that we don't care or that it's kumbaya, hold hands and sing, this community. No. We're not saying that. We, we're absolutely saying that sales is about results and we need a kick-ass culture where we publish reports and we hold each other accountable. It's a winning locker room. We have high standards. We self-police because because the results matter. We're not talking about monopoly money. This is real money. And the way I like to say it is everyone in the organization's livelihood depends on the sales team doing their job and doing it well, which means the seller and the seller's leader need to be fully engaged. So we can have a radical results-focused culture And at the same time, it's not mutually exclusive. At the very same time, love, care, support, encourage, champion, be pro-seller. And if you can marry the pro-heart stuff Mm -hmm. with the results craze focus, that's an unstoppable force. I mean, I can't, I couldn't get more excited. Like if you knew how I really was feeling on the inside, like that's the (laughs) trick, but you got to do both. And then look out when you make, when that formula clicks, when you're pro heart, but you're pro results and the culture aligns with engaging people's hearts, 
it's unstoppable. And hey, Daryl, just really quick, and, and as, as I'm sitting here listening, there's a book that popped into my head, Mike. It's called The Business of Honor. And in that book, they talk about aligning head and heart as well. And when you do that, you can have healthy, assertive business conversations. Without it, it's hard to have those. And we all know this in sales. You have to have adult conversations with your salespeople if you're a sales leader. You have to. But the results that come from it, are ginormous if you can have those healthy, confident, assertive conversations with your salespeople. You can only do that if you marry both the head and the heart together. It's really good. Yeah, I, I, so I don't know good. that book, but now I want to go get it. Yeah. Uh, it th That's what works. And I think sometimes we're just, if we're in leadership, I mean, we're overwhelmed and there's a lot of pressure on you to produce. And I, I know that we feel that at, when we're in leadership and that's healthy. But sometimes it translates in such a yeah. way where we're not caring. And we do things like, and here's an example. We send emails on Saturday evening or Sunday afternoon or at two in the morning and they have a questionable tone. You know, I'm talking about leaders. And, and I, I want you to pause and think, what message are you sending to oh. your people when on the weekend or in the middle of the night you send challenging emails? And then what do you expect them to respond? And what do you think is happening in their mind and their heart? Yeah as they're processing that, is that leadership? Are you, are you being respectful of that person? Are you showing you care about the whole human or are you just so overwhelmed that you don't care how you're perceived? Well, that, mm. that really has a big impact, right? Because is that person going to go out guns a blazing on Monday morning, feeling like my manager is for me. Mm. One of the themes of this chapter, and I make the point and I told a couple of stories in there, including about one of my pastors who pushed me so hard into some ministry and some opportunities that I wasn't even sure I was ready to handle. And every time we, we'd have a tough conversation or he'd be challenging me or encouraging me, he'd always say, Mike, remember, I'm for you. I'm for you. Mm -hmm. And because he kept telling me that he was behind me, he was blowing wind into my sails and whether he was encouraging me or he was rubbing some sandpaper on my rough edges mm -hmm. of which there were plenty that needed to be rubbed and I needed to, <laughs> I needed to be told the truth and love. The reason I respected him so much and to, the, to this day we're such good friends is because I knew he had my best interest at heart. Yep. And if we could get to that place with the people on our teams who have been entrusted, and I use that word so intentionally, who have been entrusted to our shepherding, to our leadership, you're going to have breakthroughs and you're going to see them have incredible career development and produce incredible things because you've engaged not just their mind and not just the fear, yep. but they're going to want it. And they're going to take risks and do things because they know they're they're being cared for and they're being pushed, but really that they're supported because you're for them. That's powerful. Mm. Ah, what a great, great conversation. I am for you. Like those words right there. And and this is this is such a gift, Mike. Thank you so much for not only writing the book, but putting that chapter in the book. I think this is going to be something that is going to, it's, it's, it's just a gift to the sales world. And I'm, I'm so thankful. Right, I'm turning it back on heart. you guys. You guys are a gift. And part of the reason I think your message of selling from the heart and you've built, you know, and I love when you talk about it, Larry, it's a movement. It's because you're addressing this topic that is not getting enough attention. Yeah. And I think the reason we resonate is because I try to live it out. I don't preach it like you preach it, like this is your thing and I and I salute it. I'm trying to live it out when I'm doing the modeling and I finally put a chapter in a book like to, to get to this point. But 
I love that this resonates with you and your audience because this is this is real life. Mm-hmm. And it's stuff that anyone who's really a top producer would would tell you this is this is part of it. I got people in my life that love me, that support me, that you know are are part of my my system that enables me to do what I'm doing because that's what keeps you going during the hard times. And if we haven't been through some bizarre times the last four or five years in sales, from COVID to economy crashing to wars, I mean, it's tough out there. And people need to know that they're like they're part of something bigger than themselves, and there are people cheering for them, and also yeah. being willing to confront them like in love. Yeah, uh, no, I, I totally agree. And and here's something I I just want to share. And and I I really want sales leaders and salespeople to key in on on what I'm getting ready to say because it plays off of this wonderful conversation we've been having here with Mike Weinberg. Is if you can connect to the head and the heart of your salespeople. Sales leaders is really keen on this for a moment. Watch what happens as they go out into the field and do the same thing with your clients yes. and as they're driving new business. And we know how important keeping your clients is, but we equally know how important it is to bring new blood into your company. Connect to the heads and the heart, model that in your company and watch how your salespeople transfer that out into the field. Mm-hmm. Larry, there are so many legs to what you just shared. I'm going to give one little example, which is something I just touched on at the end of that chapter. There's a lot of salespeople that are out there looking for approval and they try to find it from their customer. Yeah. So they acquiesce too quickly or they become too friendly or they they forget who they work for. And I think some of that is is due to the fact that they're not getting that affirmation either at home or or outside of work. And they're definitely not getting it from their boss, right? The person who's supposed to be leading them. And what I'll tell you I've seen is the dramatic performance improvement in salespeople who know that they are doing well and that they are appreciated. So they don't look for that appreciation from the customer. Mm -hmm. They can actually go in as a true consultant and tell the truth and push and challenge. Dave Curlin talks about uh, the need for approval. Yes. How, you know, if, if, you, if you have too high of a need for approval, it really messes you up as you sell. Like, you, you yep. know, you're looking for it from the wrong place. And it's the manager's job to, to identify that and help build into your person so they know they're good, assuming that they are good and you're supporting them. So they don't look to get that attaboy from the customer, which sometimes is the wrong place. And then you end up with this weird conflict of interest. Wow. So powerful, Mike. Uh, I got one more question for you. How can folks get more Mike Weinberg in their life? Hey, you guys are so generous. Thanks for this fun. <laughs> this just feel like a for this. And I will tell you, I've, I've had a lot of conversations about this book. This is the most intriguing and most unique because we went down this path with the heart. Um, I'm easy to find uh, MikeWeinberg.com, W-E-I-N-B-E-R-G. And on the socials, it's Mike underscore Weinberg. And uh, I'm just thankful. I'm thankful for what you are doing. I'm thankful for our friendship and mm-hmm. that we both get to support the same community and feed them some really good things. And I know you feel similar to me that a lot of what we're doing and why we're doing it is because we see the impact mm-hmm. yeah. and getting the feedback from the folks whom we're serving. And that's really special. No, I this is, it. you're awesome. This has been a great conversation. I just want to say I'm super grateful for our friendship. You mean a lot to me and you mean a lot to the Selling from the Heart community. Thanks, Mike. Yeah. Oh my gosh. The feelings are hundred percent mutual. Thanks guys. Ah, you rock. 
Larry, oh. what an incredible conversation. And, and this angle on sales leadership and bringing the heart into this, getting heart and head aligned, pure gold, pure gold. You know, absolutely. And, and, and I want sales leaders just to key in on this for a moment. It's okay to go there. Yes. It's okay to go head and heart. You can't go head all the time. You got to connect. We all have hearts. This is the human aspect that sometimes we just keep off to the side. Don't brush this under the rug any longer. Sales leaders, connect to the heads and the hearts of your salespeople. Capture their heart. Watch what happens next to your sales results. So, so powerful. So go grab a copy of the First Time Manager Sales Mike's latest book. You're going to love it. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing all of you in the Selling from the Heart Insiders group because topics like this are what animate this group of like-hearted sales professionals. Sales leaders, go to sellingfromtheheart.net slash free dash pass. Click the link in the show notes and come join us for an up close and personal. Oh, Larry, so many good yeah. things right around the corner. Just re we're really Daryl, we're really close. Oh, we're so really close. close. I can't I I just can't leak it out yet, but we're really close on some exciting news. So stay tuned. Thank you to everybody that's liking, subscribing, and leaving reviews. Helps us build this movement of authenticity right here in this profession of sales that we all love. Till next time, keep being genuine, keep being authentic, keep building trust. Align the head and the heart, and most of all, sell from the heart. Thanks for listening to the Selling from the Heart podcast on the SalesCast Network. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. We appreciate your encouraging reviews as it helps us spread the word. As always, we would love to connect with you. So look for us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and your favorite podcast platform. This podcast is produced by our friends at SalesCast. Learn more at www.salescast.co. We look forward to seeing you next time.